Thank you. If you turn your Bibles again to the book of Revelation, please. As you turn there, I want to thank you. Many of you responded to the little uh, suggestions of our future next summer, uh, not summer, by uh, summer, but our next Bible Institute. And we, many of you suggest some great ideas we could may, possibly do a class on. Thank you so much. If you did not get one and you'd still like to make some suggestions, Brother Phil has them in the back. And be happy to get one of those as you leave the service uh, this evening. What I want to do is do a quick review from last week. Anybody did not get a handout for tonight's study? If you hold your hand up. This is the same one as last week. But if you did not get one or maybe you left yours at home, feel free to raise your hand. Make sure you get one of those. All right, let's go and do a quick review from last week, then we'll take out what we left off and continue our study on this wonderful book called Revelation. Remember, there's three major divisions in this book, the book of Revelation, and the three major divisions are mentioned in chapter 1, verse 19. It says there, write these things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. So those are the three major divisions. I hope you write them down. If you haven't already, the things which thou hast seen. We're going to look at that tonight in chapter 1. And then this talking about John's vision of the glorified Christ. Then the second division is the things which are. The chapters 2 and chapter 3 will begin those next Wednesday night. Talking about the seven churches. There's seven different churches that Christ sent a message to. We're going to look at each one of those starting next week. And then there's the things which shall be hereafter. That's the majority of the book of Revelation. We saw, first of all, the rapture of the churches in chapter 4, the first few verses there. The next is the seven-year tribulation. That's chapter 5 through chapter 18. The majority of the book of Revelation deals with the seven-year tribulation period when God pours his wrath out on this earth. We're going to look at that seven ball, the seven trumpet, and the seven sealed judgments are taken up in those chapters, chapter 5 through chapter 18. And then the revelation of Jesus Christ, that is this, the second aspect. Remember, there's two aspects of the Lord's coming, the rapture and then the revelation. The rapture of the Lord comes for his saints. Revelation of the Lord comes with his saints. And most of the time when you talk about the revelation of Christ or the second coming, refer to this part here, the Lord comes with his saints. Then after that, there's the millennial reign of Christ. The word millennial means the thousand years. When Christ returns, he's going to establish a 1,000-year reign on this earth. We personally ruling and reign on this earth uh, during that 1,000-year reign. And then after that, the judgment of Satan. Remember, the Bible tells that God created hell, but he created hell for the devil and his angels. And the judgment of Satan, Satan himself will be cast in hell Fall eternity. That is mentioned at the end of the millennial reign of Christ. And then after that's the great white throne judgment. That is the judgment of the unbeliever. For Christ would judge all unbelievers of all time period. From uh, Adam's son, Abel, and all the way to, to uh, the, the last of time. Now I think I asked you last week. What is the judgment called for the believer? Remember, it's called the judgment seat of Christ. That's going to occur during the seven-year tribulation period while we're in heaven. But this is at the end of, of the, after the judgment of Satan. 
And then lastly, chapter 21 and 22, it talks about the new heavens and new earth. And I encourage you to go ahead and read through the book of Revelation as we cover this, and uh, we'll get to that eventually. Now, here's where we left off. The writer, of course, of the Gospel of John, I'm sorry, the Revelation of the Gospel of John. How many books did John write? He wrote five. What are the five books? The Gospel of John, then 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, then... Revelation, the last book he wrote. In fact, Revelation is the last book of the Bible. The last book in which God revealed did uh, Revelation to us is completed in the book of Revelation. And of course, the theme of this book is the revelation of Christ. The Christ return to this earth is the major theme of the book of Revelation. And then the purpose is threefold. To reveal events that will take place immediately before, during, and following the second coming of Christ. That's the purpose of this book, to reveal the events that take place before, during, and following the second coming of Christ. I'm going through these quickly because we covered them already, but if you're trying to write them down, if I go too fast for you, ask your neighbor for his notes from last week, okay? The things which thou hast seen, verses 1 through 3. And verse 1 talks about God the Father gave the contents of a book, of this book, to Christ, who gave it to the angel and eventually gave it to the apostle John. In this book, there's a blessing pronounced on those who do three things. We covered this last week. I mentioned verse 3. There's a blessing pronounced upon those who read the book. If you read the book Revelation, there's a special blessing God pronounced upon you. Next one is hear the words of this prophecy, and hopefully from this class you'll get a blessing from that because we hear the words of this book. And the number three is those who keep those things were written in the book. So those who read, hear, and keep. God pronounces a special blessing. You read that in verse three. Now, verses four through eight, we covered this last week. I'll throw it again, then we'll slow down when we get to verse nine. Uh, the book was written to seven churches, mentioned in chapter two and chapter three. And it's from the threefold person of the Godhead. The word Godhead is another word for the Trinity. And from the Father. In verse 4, it says, From him which is, which was, and which is to come. Referring to the Father. The next, the Holy Spirit. In verse 4, the latter part, it says, To the seven spirits which are before his throne. When you get a chance, read Isaiah 11. It gives seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit which is referenced here, talking about the seven spirits, only one Holy Spirit. But this, when it talks about the seven spirits, talking about the seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit, mentioned in Isaiah eleven twelve. We covered that last week, so please look that up if you are not with us. And then the third person is the Son, which primarily is the focus of the book of Revelation, who is called the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him, and done four things mentioned here that Jesus Christ gets credit for. Unto him that loved us. How many grateful the Lord loves you? Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood. I'm so grateful for the blood of Christ that washes us from all sin for salvation and continues to cleanse us for fellowship. Also, unto him that hath made us kings and priests. We covered that last week, showing how each one of us as Christians are kings also as priests unto God and his Father. And next, his, his coming again. 
verse 7. And notice what he gives the characteristics of this coming. He said, Behold, he cometh with clouds. And notice here, and every eye shall see him. Which of the two aspects of the coming of Christ is this referred to? Is it referred to the rapture where every eye on this earth seeing Christ come at the rapture? No. It's pretty much referred to me as a secret coming. He comes down in air and we're called up to meet him in the air and so shall we have the Lord. It happens in a moment twinkling of an eye. So not every eye will see him at the rapture, but every eye shall see him at the revelation. You can read about that in Acts chapter 1, <clears throat> verses 9 through 12. This is the revelation of Christ, not the rapture of the church. He refers to here in verse 7. And it's foretold by the angels we saw there in Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 12. You can read that. We looked at it last week. <clears throat> Acts 9 through 11, excuse me. All right. I think here's here. Is this where we left off? No, we didn't leave off here. This is we continue this. Who he is in verse 8, the one speaking, the Lord Jesus, he's called the eternal one. And notice the titles that Christ gave himself. He says, I am the Alpha and Omega. What is the Alpha and Omega? The, remember, these are the two names of the first letter and the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's like saying, I'm the A and the Z. In the English alphabet, Alpha is the first letter. Omega is the last letter in the Hebrew alphabet. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come. That's the eternal one, also the almighty. That's a term that Christ gave himself. He is the almighty God. We covered this last week. And I see some of you frantically trying to roll this down. <laughs> I'm sorry we're going so fast. All right, here's where we left off last week. Go over the Bibles, please, and look in verse 9 of, he, of Revelation. I'd like to read verse 9 through verse 11, and we'll uh, read the verse 12 through 18 later. Verse 9, please. You would. Revelation 1, verse 9. Then we'll look at these verses individually. <clears throat> it said, I, John, this is John speaking, the writer of this book, a human writer, who also am your brother, a companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet saying, and he repeats what he said in verse eight, I am the alpha, the omega, the first and the last, which thou hast seen and said, what thou hast seen, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches, which are in Asia. These seven churches, what we're going to look at individually in chapter two and chapter three. And he mentions them by name the church of Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So uh, let's look at that. Look on your notes there, please. Notice the place where John was when he wrote Revelation. Do you remember what it said there? He was on an island called Patmos. And let me read this to you. Here's a description of this island. This is a good book. You want to do a further study. It's called The Revelation of Jesus Christ by John Walford. And here's what he said concerning this island. It said, The exile of John was the island of Patmos in itself as a moving story of devotion of Christ crowned with suffering. 
This small island, rocky and forbidding, in a terrain was about 10 miles long, six miles wide, is located in the Aegean Sea, southwest of Ephesus, just beyond the island of Samos. Early church fathers stated that John was sent the island as an exile under the Roman ruler. And according to the, the, one of the church fathers, John, though aged, was forced to labor in the mines located in Patmos. Early sources also indicate that about 96 AD, the, of John, of the death of the Roman ruler, John was allowed to return to Ephesus when, he was, uh, when the emperor there was Nerva was in power. Now, interesting, of all the apostles, everyone died a martyr's death except one, and that was the apostle John. Church history bears out that he was boiled in oil, and he escaped miraculously before they sent him to the island. It was an island similar to Alcatraz, only for criminals. And so many who disobeyed the Roman law were sent there and supposedly be there till death. And of course, he was allowed to leave. So that's where he was when uh, he wrote this book. He was there as a, uh, and a criminal from Rome's point of view. And there, while he was there, God revealed this book to him. Interesting, he was exiled from all other people. He was by himself except maybe other criminals. But notice the Lord spoke to him while he was there. And probably the greatest books of the Bible God gave to him while he was there. You know, that tells us we can be someplace where nobody else is around us, away from all other believers, and God can still work in us. God can still speak to us as he did John, though he was away from all other Christians during that time. God gave him the book of Revelation. He was exiled there for two reasons. Verse 9, for the word of God. Evidently, John was preaching the word, and he was arrested for that, and thus he uh, was boiled in oil, according to church history, but it did not kill him, and then he was placed on this island, also for the testimony of Jesus Christ, of him giving testimony of the gospel and preaching the word. I'm so glad that doesn't happen today, because where would preachers be at today? <laughs> Uh, exile for those two reasons, for the word of God and the testament of Jesus Christ. Next, notice who John heard while he was there. He referred to himself as he did back in verse, uh, verse uh, 8. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. Remember, those are the first and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Also, he called himself the first and last. That's the description of the Alpha and the Omega. Now, Christ's command... He told him what thou hast seen right in a book. And of course, the book is the book of Revelation. We see that in verse 11. And sent it to the churches. What churches would those be? The seven churches we're going to see starting next week in the book of chapter 2 and chapter 3. Seven churches mentioned by name. What he does in these seven churches, he gives a commendation and a condemnation. What was right about these churches? What was wrong about them? And as I read through those, I always ask, what if the Lord would send a letter to First Baptist Land Lakes? What would he commend us about? And what would he condemn us about? That would be a good question. But he did that for these seven churches. All right, look in verse 12, please. In verse 12 of your Bibles, let's read 12 through 18. It says in verse 12, And I turned... 
and to see the voice that spake to me, and be in turn, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, talking about the Lord Jesus, clothed with garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were a flame of fire. His feet like unto a fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice, it says a voice here, uh, was the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went sh a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive evermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. So let's look at those verses in your notes there, please. You can fill in the blanks. Notice the clothing was the clothing of a priest apparel. And by the way, who is our high priest? The Lord Jesus Christ. And where is he at? He's in heaven now. And this is a vision of him in heaven. So you wonder what he's wearing. We can see right here what he's wearing, why he's in heaven. A clothing. First of all, a robe we saw down to his feet. We saw that there in verse 13. But also a golden sash about his chest. So it was a robe down to his foot. And a golden sash refers there as girt uh, about his paps with a golden girdle. Next, notice his physical features. What does he look like? His hair, white as snow. This may represent wisdom of age or maybe a purity of holiness. We don't know why it's white. Why didn't he say it was red or black or brunette? But it was white. So people refer to maybe wisdom of age or purity of holiness. His eyes, it's as like as a what? A flame of fire. Interesting. White hair and eyes as flame of fire. This speaks of the piercing nature and in in fiery holiness. Everyone's true character is transparent to his eyes. Nothing about your life or your character that he does not see. Let me give you two examples of that in Scripture. We're going to see them on the screen. Notice Hebrews 4.13. He says, Neither is any creature that is not manifest in his what? Sight. But all things are naked and open unto the what? The eyes of him in whom we have to do. Notice nothing you and I do is hid from God. We can hide it from man. But nothing, the Bible says, oh, we are literally naked before him. And spiritually, physically before his eyes. And open under the eyes of him whom we have to do. Again, talking about the flame of fire. Another verse, interesting. 1 Corinthians 3.13. This is the judgment seat of Christ. And in that judgment seat, it says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it, to much your work, shall be revealed by what? Fire. And the fire shall try a man's work. What sort is? What is the fire? It, we don't know, but I believe the fire is the eyes of the Lord. Because remember the judgment seat of Christ. He's not only judge what you did, but what? Why it is going to judge your motive. And so he can see your motive through these eyes. So anything you do 
for the, supposedly for the Lord, men say he's a godly person, she's a godly woman. Look all the things they're doing. But the question is, why are you doing them? The Lord sees that with his eyes, these flame of fire eyes. He sees your character and the very motive. By the way, why are you here tonight? Uh, are you here because you want people to think what a good Christian you are? You come on Wednesday nights? How dedicated you are, even come on the midweek service. Or are you here because you love the Lord and you want to learn from his word? I hope that's the reason, but by the way, the Lord knows that. Because he sees your very character. His feet. Again, he's given the characteristic of his appearance, his feet, like fine brass. Brass speaks of judgment in the Bible. Christ will one day make all his enemies his what? His footstool. We see that in Hebrews 10.13. It says, from beneath expecting his enemies be made his footstool. So one day that will happen. That will occur when he returns at the second coming of Christ, his revelation. His voice. Interesting, the sound of many waters. What does that mean? Other than the voice that commands attention and authority. That's what most people believe it means. The exact sound of it, I don't know. Maybe, get, maybe go to Niagara Falls and hear the rushing of the power of that falls. Maybe that's what his voice is going to sound like. I don't know other than what it says here, the sound of many waters. But it's a voice that commands attention and authority. Next, in his right hand are seven stars. Now, by the way, what are the seven stars? I'm glad you asked. Look down to verse 20, please. Of Revelation 1, verse 20, it tells us here. You already read verse 19. That's the three divisions of the book of Revelation, verse 20. And the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are what? Angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks, which are thou sawest, are the seven churches. We're going to see, uh, when we cover next week, the angels is not talking about an angelic being. What does the word angel mean? Messenger. So it's believed the angels here is not some angelic being, but the pastors of each church, the one who brings the messages from God's word. And each one of them, the, the letter that's written is written unto the angel of these churches, which most people believe referring to the pastor, the one who brings the message, the messenger of God to that particular church. And out of his mouth, notice here, went a sharp two-edged sword. A sharp two-edged sword. What does that mean? Ephesians 6.17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. Another verse, Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than what? Any two-edged sword. But another verse, if you would, it's not in your notes. Go with me now to Revelation chapter 19, please. Chapter 19. Here is the actual second coming of Christ when he comes back from heaven. And it says, verse 11, and what you're going to notice, we're going to see further down in a couple of verses, you're going to see how his uh, words, his tongues are like a, a sword. Verse 11, he said, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him is called faithful and true, 
And in righteousness does he judge and make war. That's called about the battle of Armageddon. His eyes, notice here, were a flame of fire. Did not change. The same eyes that John saw in his vision was the eyes he'll have when he returns. A flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. And, uh, and he had a name written, which no man knew but he himself. Verse 13. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. We're going to talk about what that blood is in our study. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him on white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Verse 15, here's the verse. Out of his mouth goeth what? A sharp sword. And that with it he shall smite the nations and rule them with a rod of iron. The sharp sword is his word. How, how will he defeat the armies when he returns? With his word. You say, how powerful his word? Remember, with his very word, he spoke the world into existence. And by his very word, he had to defeat all the armies that go against him. So he can just speak it, and they're gone. That's the power of our God. Matthew 7, 20. His countenance, notice it says that Psalm 16, was as the sun. In Matthew 17, 20, we had the transfiguration of Christ. Matthew 7, 2. And when he was transfigured, maybe you can look at that verse and get a chance. It said, before them, his face did shine as the what? Sun and his raiment was white as the light. The transfiguration when he was transfigured in his glorified body. And this would be the same uh, figure that Christ, John saw there. And what he'll appear when he returns. His countenance as the sun. In Revelation 21, 23. If you would look at that, please. 21, 23. And we're just about done here because our time will be gone in two minutes. Revelation 21 and 23. Let's go back to that. Look what it says here. In this new Jerusalem, we're going to find out there is no sun to light the Jerusalem. What brought the light to this heavenly city? I'm glad you asked. Revelation 21. Verse, verse 23, it says, And the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon, to shine in it. Why? For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Notice his face, the countenance of his face was as the sun. So he himself would be the light of the whole city, and with there be no need of sun, I'm sure the sun will pale in his appearance. And now his words, we're going to close with this. In 1718, he said, I am the first and the last. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? I am he that liveth and was dead. And however, I'm alive for how long? Forevermore. Talking about his death, his resurrection, and he rose again. And his possession. In his possession, he has two things. He has the keys of hell and death. The word hell in the Greek word is the word Hades. Remember, Hades is that, low, that compartment in the heart of the earth where everybody went prior to Christ's death. When Christ died, it said in Ephesians, before he ascended, he first descended the lower parts of the earth and took all the Old Testament saints to heaven with him. And now all unbelievers, when they die today, they go to this place called Hades in the heart of the earth, the place that holds the spirit of man after death for the unbeliever. When we die, where do we go? 
absent from the body is what? Present with the Lord. But the unbeliever goes to this place called Hades, and when Christ returns, he will, Revelation 20, verse 13, it said, death and hell were delivered up and cast in the lake of fire. So God will take all the unsaved people in Hades, bring them up, and they'll stand before the great white throne judgment. They'll be judged, and then they'll be cast into the lake of fire. He has the keys to that place called Hades. Also the keys of death. Talking about that which terminates life in this world. Hebrews 2.14 says this. For as much as the children of men are partakers of flesh and blood, he, to my Lord Jesus, also himself likewise took part of the same. Talking about flesh and blood. That through what? Death. He said, why did Jesus Christ become a man? That he might die. And that through death he might destroy him that had power over the death, that is who? The devil. By the way, what is the last enemy ever defeated? 1 Corinthians 15, death is defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that will happen when he returns. All right, we're going to stop right there. Next week, we'll start in chapter 2 and chapter 3, so please join us for that. If you did not get all that, by the way, two things, find your neighbor, but also... Uh, Brother Joseph, are these being put on our uh, Facebook, I mean our our church website? So if you miss these, you need to go back home, go to the church website, and you can get last week's message as well as this week's message and watch it again. Let's bow together, please. Father in heaven, we do thank you for the wonderful book of Revelation that it tells us what's going to happen in the future. And Father, so many people, they wonder what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. We can read about it in the book of Revelation that when you return, what you will do, establish your kingdom on this earth. And Father, how we long for the day when you will rule and reign on this earth. But Father, if we study this book, we pray that you would do as you said. You pronounce a blessing to those who read it, those who hear it, and most of all, those who do it. Help us to obey what God says in the book of Revelation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.